Praise the Lord. Have you built your house yet? Uh, how do you build a house? I got a uh, pastor friend of mine that's uh, building his own house, and what he, he well he built a house, but he had someone else put down the foundation. And boy, it is a thick foundation. Why? Because it's a two-story home he's building, and it's beautiful inside and everything. But the foundation had to be firm in order for the house to be built. And if we're going to build the house of God, we've got to have a firm foundation. So let's just review where we've been. We have looked at the fact that we've got to have that foundation because everything in this life ain't going to go right all the time. There's going to be some storms come by, and if you don't have a foundation firmly planted in Jesus, then you're going to get blown over for sure. So we, what we looked at thus far is the principles here in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Let me read that and then we'll review. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, I emphasize again elementary principles, that's what we start with. Let us go on to perfection, or go on to the mature life in Christ Jesus, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of a faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, and of the laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of the eternal judgment. That just caught me right there. Not laying again the foundation. How many times you build a house and you lay the foundation again? No, you, you better have a firm foundation to start with. <laughs> and then you build the house. Well, so what we've looked at thus far is repentance from dead works, meaning that everything that I did in, in church for 29 years, well, I did it because I, I did it. That's right. <laughs> I did it because I did it. And I got all the glory and praise for it. That's a dead work if you ever saw one. And so, but you've got to repent in order to have a beginning, a beginning life with God. Now, after you repent, you still have opportunities to repent. You mean you're perfect? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, I'm not, so therefore I have opportunities to say, God, I repent, I didn't mean to go off in this direction, or I didn't mean to say that, or I didn't mean to feel that, or think that, or whatever. I still have opportunities to repent and have the Holy Spirit to change my life. So the second thing we looked at was faith towards God. If you got repentance, then you're going to have faith towards God, and that's towards Him alone, nobody else, nothing else. Because Jesus is the cornerstone upon which we build. That's what uh, it says in Ephesians. Let's turn over there to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to put my glasses on so I'll look like I know something. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building 
being fit together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom, in Jesus, you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of our foundation. So we need to repent. We need to have faith towards God. Hallelujah. Next thing is uh, baptisms. There are three baptisms that we discuss. One is that the Holy Spirit, when you give your life to Jesus, He baptizes you into the body of Christ. He baptizes you. He, you, you, don't, you don't make a decision to do it. At this time, it's automatic. Okay? He automatically does that uh, through you into the body of Christ. All right? The second thing is the Holy Spirit uh, baptism. Who does that? Jesus. Jesus does that if you choose to be baptized with the Spirit. You don't have to be, but you should be. Can I say that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, really, you have to be if you're going to walk in the power of the Spirit. So Jesus wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And the third baptism that we looked at was water baptism. That's done by a believer, a believer in Christ Jesus. Now, uh, well, you know, I really don't have to do that. You're right. You don't have to. But if you want to begin to show Jesus that you're going to be obedient unto him, that's a good beginning right there because he wants you to be baptized. The Scripture says that we go about making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means we got to have a choice. I make a choice to show the world that I have committed my life to Jesus or those around me at my baptism. My life is now belonging to Jesus. To me, that's what a water baptism shows. I die to self and I'm raised again to a new life. So those are the three baptisms. Repentance, faith towards God, baptism. Now that we got our life all set, now what? Well, now we're in ministry. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going to take place next. The laying on of hands. That's the ministry that God has called all of us to do. Well, no, that's what the preacher does. You know, the pastor does that. He invites people up to the front and off the call, and he lays hands on them. And, you know, that's, that's his job. No, it's the job of every believer, laying on of hands. So let's look at that today. Uh, I got to, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. You, you got any of these? Hey, yeah. I hope you do. If you don't, ask God to grow you some. Because he can do that, you know. <laughs> he created it. And, and you got hands. So what are these hands used for? Well, I use my hands to wash myself and to eat. And to, uh, well, I uh, work my phone and to, Change the channel on TV? <laughs> no, that, that's all for me. And what are my hands for? My hands are an extension of God. They are His instruments whereby we have an opportunity to minister to people and He works through us as we lay hands on people. That's what takes place. The ministry of hands. We're going to look at it in the Old Testament, New Testament, the epistles, and uh, oh, we got the Book of Acts too. Forgot that. Yeah, it's uh, throughout the Bible. So let's turn first of all to Genesis chapter twenty-seven. <clears throat> 
Genesis chapter 27, we have the initiation here of a blessing being transferred from Isaac to Jacob. Genesis chapter 27. We won't read all of this because we got a lot to cover this time. I mean, chapter 27, uh, verse 21, Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near and I may feel you. So he put his hands on him for one thing. My son, whether you are really my son, uh, really my son Esau. A little deception going on there. But Jacob were to be baptized, were to be blessed by his, by his father Isaac. So, in verse 26, his father said to him, uh, Come near and, and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the clothing, and then he gave him a blessing. Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine that people serve you, nations bow down to you, be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. So he was passing on a blessing. At this time, we didn't specifically say that he laid hands on him, but this initiates the blessing transferred to another person. But from here on out in the Old Testament, we have laying on of hands. Uh, chapter 48 of Genesis. Chapter 48 of Genesis, starting with verse 13. Uh, Joseph and his sons took both of them, Ephraim and Manasseh, and and he had them on one on the right side and one on the left side. And, and Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head and, and his young on his left hand on Manasseh. So he was laying hands on them and he transferred a blessing upon his grandsons. You know, I'm looking forward to that day when I have an opportunity to do that. I have done that with my, with my son. I've laid hands on him. Now I'm looking forward to the opportunity to lay hands on my grandsons and to do that as well. So we're, we're looking forward to that. And that's what took place, laying on of hands to transfer a blessing. Now, what else can the laying on of hands is used for? Well, over in Exodus chapter 30, verse 30. That's easy to remember. 30, 30. All right, and the Lord is speaking to Moses, and he's saying, uh, And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them, that they may minister to me as priests. So they would be anointed as priests. Every time I see an anointing take place, hands were laid. I would assume here also that hands were laid upon Aaron and his sons to become priests in the temple of God. All right. Now we're in Numbers chapter 27. Chapter 27, starting with verse 18. The Lord spoke to Moses. Uh, Take the, uh, Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is a spirit, and lay your hand on him. 
Here he is transferring leadership, transferring leadership over to another person to lead God's people into the promised land. So here we have laying on of hands, blessing, priesthood, leadership. All of this is taking place in the Old Covenant. God is using laying on of hands to initiate His will into someone's life. That's what's taking place. Now, of course, we have great laying on of hands with Jesus, don't we? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we just go, I mean, we'll be here all day to look at all of that, but we're just going to look at uh, Matthew and Mark. Uh, turn it over to Matthew uh, chapter 3. No, chapter 3. No, chapter 8, verse 3. Chapter 8, verse 3. We're going to end Mark, Matthew and Mark here for a few minutes. Because Jesus initiated everything. He, he laid hands on people. And man, they were set free. Here we have, uh, verse 2, we have a uh, leper came to and worshipped him. And Jesus saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put his hand on and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. I am willing, be cleansed. How many times have you seen in Rick Bonfield Ministries laying on of hands to be set free, to be healed in some way, spirit, mind, or body? Laying on Jesus was setting this person free. The hands of Jesus was going to initiate the total healing in this person's life. Uh Act, uh, so I'll go over to uh, uh, chapter 8 now, verse 19, 18. Let's see, chapter 8, I got that right? Yeah. Well, no, let's see. Oh, no, back to 14, uh, verse 14. Now, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw his mother, wife's mother, lying sick with a fever, and he touched her hand. And the fever left her. <laughs> Funniest thing came to my mind. How many people want to go heal their mother-in-law? Or heal someone's mother-in-law? Ah, <laughs> oh, just it's a joke. I just get wiped that out of your mind right now. <laughs> but that's what relationships sometimes are just not good. But Jesus is even concerned about mother-in-laws. Hallelujah. So a healing took place there. Well, how about... Uh, Nine, twenty-nine, Matthew nine twenty-nine. We have here uh, two blind men uh, came to Jesus for healing, and he touched their eyes, saying, "According to your faith, let it be done unto you." He touched their eyes. Can you imagine Jesus putting his hand on their eyes and touching them, and they were completely made well? Hallelujah. How about uh, 17.7? Matthew 17.7. Matthew 17.17. Uh, disciples uh, came to Jesus and they fell on His face. This is at the Mount of Transfiguration. In verse 7, But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. In other words, he was setting them free from fear. 
by touching them, by bringing total peace into their lives because they saw something they could not quite comprehend was taking place. So he got rid of their fear by touching them. Hallelujah. And then over in uh, chapter 20, verse 34, 20, verse 34, two blind men received their sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. So we have Jesus now. He's healing people. Well, he does it many different ways, but I, I would perceive that a lot of times we, we need to see something take place. And putting hands on someone indicates that these hands are an extension of God. God's using my hands to bring healing unto you. In Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, verse 41. We have uh, uh, Jesus cleansed the, the leper. He moved compassion, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand, and touched him, and said, I'm willing. So we saw that in, in Matthew. So here we have Jesus in the ministry of touching people. <laughs> what, are we, what are we afraid of today? Well, we might get COVID. Uh, we might transfer something, you know, we shouldn't have. We better make sure our hands are sanitized and all of this. Well, I guarantee you, if God's going to use your hand, they're sanitized. They're already made right to touch someone by faith to bring healing into their lives. So don't be scared to do that. Don't listen to what the world's saying. You just be used by God to lay hands on someone. And guess what? When you do that, guess what comes back to you? <laughs> Same thing. So you do that. You, you'll find out an amazement what God's going to do to use you. Now, you see, the, the church was in operation doing that all the time. In Acts chapter, in Acts, yeah, in Acts, the church was busy doing different kinds of laying on of hands for different reasons. Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. Here we have, uh, we'll start with verse 1. In those days, the number of disciples were multiplying, and there was a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in daily distribution. Uh, complaint, complaint, complaint. You're not serving like you should have. You're too wrapped up in the Word of God because that's what they were. They, they were wrapped up in the Word of God, and, and they really wasn't doing the function of the church as they should have. So what did they do? Uh, verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over the business, and we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. And in verse 6, they, well, verse 5, they chose the people, the men to serve. And in verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and they had prayed, they laid hands on them. They laid hands on them. What for? For the business of the church. <laughs> Have you ever considered that when you get an administrative board that's going to serve the church to lay hands on them? <laughs> I haven't seen that happen. I know many people that don't. You know, lay hands on the people who are serving within the church. So they have the anointing of the Holy Spirit to do that. Not in their own ability or power, but in God's power, 
working in and through them. Hallelujah. Because they've got to make some many decisions. And they've got to make the decisions according to God's wisdom and understanding of what's taking place. God knows more than they do. So lay hands on them. Uh, have it Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, verses uh, 1 through 3. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with, uh, with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit says, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. And then, having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, and they sent them away. So here, the hands were laid upon Barnabas and Saul to do missionary work. Hallelujah. To send out missions. How, glory be to God. Uh, that's what needs to take place. So you got somebody going on mission trips, all right? Lay hands on them because they're going serving as a missionary to another country or to another uh, need within the world today, and they need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, how about uh, Acts chapter 8? Back on Acts chapter 8 now. We got the first of all business of the church is taken care of, uh, missionary work is taken care of. How about Acts chapter eight? After Philip has now preached to those in Samaria, now we have Peter and John being sent. Acts chapter eight, verses fourteen and following. And when they got there, they prayed for them, verse fifteen, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. As of yet, they had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they laid hands on them and received the Holy Spirit, the imparting of the Holy Spirit upon an individual to be filled with the Spirit, to be the church. That's what it's all about. Just not getting saved. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to be the church. So hands were laid upon God using their hands to impart power, and ability to be the church. Hallelujah. How about over in Acts chapter uh, 9? We have uh, Saul getting knocked off of his horse. And, uh, knocked, you know, hey, sometimes you got to knock people down flat on their face to get to him, and that's what God had to do with Saul. And uh, finally got to him, and then God sent a message to Ananias saying, hey, I'm going to use you to go talk to this guy Saul. And, they, and Ananias was thinking, you've got to be out of your mind. He's going to kill me for sure. Uh, but no, he, got, he, gave his, he gave his life to that fact. I am not going to be scared. I'm going to go. And uh, so the, the Lord said to him in verse 15, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. And I will show him how many things that he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as, as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Paul's eyes were open, filled with the Holy Spirit, and we had one of the greatest apostles who ever walked upon the face of the earth. He preached the Word of God wherever he had. He wrote letters to churches, wrote letters to those he was discipling to help them to in ministry. Hallelujah. So, who is Ananias? A man God used to lay hands on a man that God was going to use for mighty work. You see, it doesn't make any difference how important you think you are. You've got a minister to lay hands on someone who may become a great minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't know. Just be obedient unto what God wants you to do. That's what Ananias did. We don't hear any more of them. But that's enough. I'm sure Ananias was blessed. Ananias was blessed. Scared to death, but he was blessed. How lay hands on this guy? I mean, he opens his eyes, he's going to kill me. No. Obedience unto God will always bring results. Hallelujah. And you don't have to worry about it. You're protected. So, that's what Ananias did. Now, finally, in Acts chapter 19, verses uh, 1 through 7, we won't read all of that, but here we have 12 men. 12 men at Ephesus. Oh, golly, just 12. So what's going to take place with them? In verse 6, When Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Wow. After they got saved, Paul laid hands on them, filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak words of God and speak in tongues, hallelujah, praising God, worshiping Him building themselves up in the Spirit. Glory to God. You see what hands can do? You don't have ordinary hands. Take your hands and look at them and say, God, hear my hands. How about the epistles? Uh, 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, 14. Get over there. 1 Timothy 414. Uh-huh. Timothy. Oh, praise the Lord. Paul writing to Timothy and saying, Do not neglect the gift that is is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Timothy. Now, you have a gift in you. Don't neglect that gift because they laid hands on you. Hands were laid on you to go and to proclaim the gospel. Go and prophesy the Word of God. Remember that. That's one thing I, I, I remember about my ordination into the Methodist Church, that they laid hands on me. They laid hands on me. Why? to initiate the ministry that God had for me. And I'm not to forget that. Hands were laid. God set forth hands upon me through someone to start ministry. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy uh, 1 6. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get caught up. I've got to wet my fingers or change these pages. Why do they got to be so thin? Hmm. I can't even get there. 
Y'all hold on. Go take a nap somewhere. Here we go. Verse 6. Therefore, I remind you, talking to Timothy, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. There it again. See, your hands on them. Now listen, Timothy, don't slack off now. Stir up that gift. That gift is in you. Get it going now. The hands were laid on you for that purpose. Now, last but not least, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul writing to the church at Rome and, and saying, Listen, guys, I can't get there right now. I'm kind of tied up. <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, I can't make it right now. But for I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Now, how would he do that? How did, how did that happen to Timothy, laying on of hands? See, I believe Paul was saying, listen, I can't be there right now, but I want to be there physically so that I may lay hands on you to give you some spiritual gift so that you may be the church in Rome. Oh, hallelujah. So now, my question for you today is, what about you? I've caught ahead of that, Dad. What about you? God could use your hands to have a baptism in the Holy Spirit, bring healings, deliverance, blessing on others. Yeah, you. You. Because that's our, that's our ministry. Everybody has that ministry. Mark chapter 16. End of thought. This is part of the commission that Jesus said. After the going and to preach the gospel to every creature, he said, verse 17, These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly, it shall by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. That's what I tell people at the church. Every time I lay hands on them, you're, you're recovering. Every time. You know, God's done surgery on you. Now you're in God's recovery room. So go, recover. But that's, you know, some people just, well, because I like to have a miracle, you know, really would take, it could happen instantly. But recovery is a time period, most of all, to get through and to get back to where God wants you to be. So if someone, you know, lay hands on someone, leave the results up to God. Okay? You do your part. Uh, let's just uh, end up with uh, well, John fourteen twelve. Jesus said, "The works that I do, you shall do also, and even greater works shall you do." So, what was the works of Jesus? He was going to minister to people, and many times he laid hands on them to get that accomplished, to get God's healing and deliverance into their lives to set them free. Why? So that they could go do their own? No. So that they could be set free of physical, spiritual, mental ailments so that they could better serve the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Him. Hallelujah. So I encourage you today, you make up your mind right now. Go and lay hands on those that God sends you to. Lay hands on them. 
Don't come up behind them and say, Wap, here you go. I'm going to lay hands on them. No, don't do that. Don't scare them to death. Go, go say, I'm going to lay hands on you so that God can help you to be set free in your life. Most people will say, yes, I need that today. So I encourage you, hear God, be obedient, and take your hands, for they are an extension of God's hands to those in need today. In Jesus' name, amen. Stella alba brilha em mim Brilha a luz que é no mundo meu viver